Hey everybody, welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. This is Kyle Krieger. Um, this is episode 40, which we recorded with Tasha Wright of the Wright Stuff Chicks and the Teacher Heart Out Conference. It was such an inspiring conversation uh, about teaching and business and, and inspiration and growth in teachers. It was such a great conversation. Um, we hope that you really enjoy it as much as we did. So if you want to check out Tasha, you can find her at teachyourheartoutcon.com or the right stuff chicks online on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome back to the LED Project podcast. I am Kyle Krieger. This is episode number 40 and Wilkie and I are really excited to be joined by Tasha Wright. Tasha, thank you for coming on with us tonight. Yeah, so how are things going with you? I know you said, Tasha, that you uh, haven't been feeling too good lately. Nope, um, just a little under the weather. As soon as the weather changes, my allergies kind of kick in and start going haywire. So that's where we're at with that. Yeah, we're still a little behind that in Wisconsin. We've still got snow on the ground, so we haven't had any had any allergy weather yet. How are How are things for you down there on the allergy front, Will? I know you get it every well, once in a while. We are covered in pollen. Everything is green. So anything stays outside, it has a nice dusting of green everywhere. And I mean, people have gone and resorted to wearing masks. It's gotten so bad down here in the last few weeks. So, wow. Yeah, I've been lucky. Uh, they've been out of my allergy medicine, and I normally take it at both pharmacies I go to. And I haven't had any issues so far. So I'm going to keep knocking on wood. And stay indoors and try to stay away from as much as I possibly can. Yeah, but. that's that's a good idea. I'm interested to see. This is my this will be my first spring back in Wisconsin after eight oh, years right. in in Texas. So I'm not sure how all the all the bugs and everything in the air up here are going to affect me though now that I'm back here full time. So, um, all right, Tasha. So what we do to start every podcast is just ask a few questions that are just kind of general fun questions to get to know each other. And um, we always use what are called We Connect cards. Um, they're created by a company called We and Me. Um, and we met uh, Chad Littlefield, who runs a company in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, a couple of years ago. So we we really love this card set that they have. So so here's the card, um, and they're all just questions that are kind of conversation starters. So. What uh, has made you smile in the last two weeks, Tasha? Oh, I would have to say my five-year-old son. Um, his name is Quince. He uh, constantly brings a smile to my face every day. Even when I'm having a bad day at work or, you know, got a lot going on, he um, finds some way to make me smile and to laugh. And he'll always say, why are you laughing? And just his personality, um, he asks a million and more questions a day. Um, but even when I'm at work and I think of him, it just makes me smile. Something he said or something he did the day before. Um, so I would have to say quits. That's awesome. Wilkie, you want to go ahead and answer this one? Something that's made you smile the last two weeks? Um, I'll probably have to go with, go with my daughter, Nevaeh. Um, she is, um, at this moment, she's following in my footsteps with wanting to be in the music business and wanted to get to know music and our drives into school and home from school every day for the last two to three weeks have been that he put some music on and then talk to me about how to freestyle rap 
or that is how do you oh, determine what song is what what song is the best way to do it or that is how do you know which this is that and how do you know when you're doing a good bar and how you count the bar so it's like for me to be able to be a mentor for her and something that a big part that was a big part of my life and for her to pick it up and you know I didn't coax her into it I really wanted her to do soccer or dance or cheer and she's like no I want to do music and so the last two weeks have just been like just so joyful because that's our drive and that's, that's our, our bonding daddy-daughter time where it's like just music after music after music and exploring different types of music with her. And that's just, I mean, even when I'm, having, when I'm having a bad day, I remind myself of that. That's why I do what I do is because I want to keep bringing smiles, a smile to her face. So that's fine. That, I'm really excited. I didn't get a chance to see her while I was in Houston a couple of weeks ago, but I'm excited uh, this summer to hear her do her freestyle and do her rap. So that's really good. Um, and for oh, me, yeah, actually, we're actually recording. We're actually getting ready to record next month in April. So oh, I'll man. make sure you get a copy of that MP3. Oh, that'll be perfect. So I mean, and for me, um, what makes me smile is is coming up. This will be my this will be my first Easter with my family in eight years. So um, when I was living in Houston, that was the one holiday that kind of always got cut out because uh, we didn't get a lot of time off school. But, you know, having having a nephew that's almost three and a nephew that's almost one, um, I'm really excited for it, except for uh, we're, we're not going to be doing any outside Easter egg hunting because it's going to be like 25 degrees and possibly snow. So but uh, to get to get to spend time with those guys is uh is makes me smile all the time they're uh they're pretty awesome so those are yeah family family usually does it for me so too so all right uh tasha another question we ask everybody we talk to is uh could you tell us about who your favorite teacher growing up was and why that person was your favorite teacher okay i have two that's okay um my first one was my first grade teacher her name was Miss Carter. I will never forget her um, for as long as I live. Uh, she just made learning fun. And I went to school back in the 80s where, you know, you could go over to your teacher's house. One of our field trips was to her house. Um, her boyfriend at the time, he um, uh, did a lot of research, like, on Indian reservations. And so she set up, like, teepees and things like that around her house. We left school, went to her house, and kind of had, like, a, a field trip at her house learning about Indian reservations. Um, so that, that's just a memory that I always have. And um, she just really kind of um, enhanced my reading. I was an early reader, and she um, just continued to, like, foster that. Even today, I feel like some teachers try to stifle kids, like, no, this is where you should be um, according to, you know, grade-level standards. Um, but she constantly pushed me and made me uh, to read more and do better. And then my second favorite teacher was also my mom's um, third grade teacher. So in third grade, my mom had Mrs. Roberts. She was a family friend. Um, and in third grade, I had Mrs. Roberts. And she is just the most amazing little lady. She's probably about 5'2". But um, just, I loved third grade. It's, uh, it's a year that stands out um, in, you know, in all of my schooling. It's like one of my most favorite years just learning that we did like we did silly putty i remember i used to um i don't know if it was the first year but it was the first year i remember being able to pick out books out of the you know the little paper scholastic um uh 
flyers that they sent home, all the terms mm-hmm. of books, and, and, and um, asked my parents for money to get those books, but she just, she just made learning fun, and she was such a sweet um, person, um, and, you know, I think that's important, too, that teachers are not only um, able to relate to the kids, like, on an academic level, but a personal level, and because of her, I really tried to foster those relationships with the students that I taught. Um, I tried to understand, you know, their background, where they came from, um, what their home life looks like, because once you understand that about a student, it really <laughs> makes the picture a lot brighter. Like, oh, you meet mom and dad. Oh, I see why you are the way that you are. Um, so she, you know, she really um, got to know us uh, on a personal level, and I, and I knew her from my family. But I just, miss, yeah, Mrs. Roberts, she was my second favorite. Um, but again, first grade and third grades were really memorable years. Um, I mean, I, I, of course, I have other favorite teachers, and I don't want to start naming, you know, all of them. But um, those were the two most influential that I still think about today. Wow, yeah, those are those are really good stories. I I I was in I was in the school in the nineties, so you okay. know Wil, Wilkie's gonna make fun of me because I'm a I'm a little bit younger than he is, but we still you know back in back in my day had the had the paper flyers, and I remember how excited I used to be to to buy. I think it was the Goosebumps books had just like started coming yeah. out when I was in school, and that was like my thing. I used to love every time to get a different. My mom would let me get one different Goosebump. So we had we had quite the collection. Well, I was an '80s baby. I remember being able to go home with your, you know, take your, your teachers taking you, driving you home, or going to their home. Right. No one thinking anything of it. It wasn't like, oh my God, why are you at their house or why is this? It was just right. always you knew the intentions of the person that was there was was good and their heart was in it, and. You know, it's those teachers back then that I believe made all the difference in the world, especially for me as a, as a, as a, as a learner, because I struggled as a, as a learner. Um, and, we, you know, we kind of talk about it, you know, I had a rough time in middle school. My parents divorced. I stopped going to school. They considered me to be a dropout. had to be retained in sixth grade. Um, but it's those teachers who take that interest to find out what was that route and not just try to spray on some stuff to deal with the problem now, but actually try to find out what's going on with them. And I think that's what brings people into, brings new teachers into the profession, is when they have those encounters with those teachers that do that. So, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so Tasha, next question. Um, as a teacher, which superhero or which superpower do you think you would have as a teacher? I tell my kids, uh, I used to tell my kids, um, you know, even when my back was starting to have eyes in the back of my head. So I guess to really be able to see everything that's going on in the classroom at once. They, they are so gullible that they believe me anyway. But I think having that superpower power would really be useful um, when you're trying to work with small groups or you're trying to um, do one-on-one with a kid and being able to kind of still keep one of your 50 eyes on other kids in your classroom. I think that would be a pretty cool superpower to see all things, like really see all things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've we've been talking a lot recently about, uh, and some of the people we've talked to on the podcast, just everybody kind of echoes the same thing that, along with what you're saying, 
kids too, you know, we want to see as teachers, but kids are, you know, they desire to be seen so much. And I think having that as a superpower to really not just monitor see, but to really see all the good things that our kids are doing, I think that would be a, that'd be an incredible power to have something, something to really strive for. So, all right, next question. Um, And this doesn't have to be educationally based, but what is uh, the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and who gave you that piece of advice? Um, I would have to say the best piece of advice. Um, gosh, so um, so much. I, I mean, I um, have so many relationships where I really, you know, value their input and value, you know, what they tell me. I would I, again, I, I just tied it back into education because that's pretty much my life. Um, <laughs> I, my graduation party from college. Um, I had like a little. Uh, my mom set up like a scrapbook. So people wrote advice in the scrapbook. Um, and, you know, um, one thing that kept coming back was constantly, even at my high school graduation, you know, keep God first, keep God first. Um, and then I had a couple of don't smile on the first day of school. So those two things I took, you know, hand in hand. <laughs> don't smile on the first day of school. I think mean, I taught kindergarten. I kind of felt like that was kind of harsh. Like, I, I have to smile at these babies. Like, I want them to come in, and I, and I want them to like me. Like, in my very first day of school, I, I, my, this year, my first uh, kindergarten class, they graduated from high school. So that makes me feel super old. But I will never forget that first day of school. I had to smile because I was burning up hot in, in the middle of Georgia in, in August, uh, probably about a 95-degree day. The air goes out in our school building. Oh, wow. First day of school, I have parents coming in with their video cameras. I'm standing at the door, fanning myself. So I'm already nervous. So sweat is like dripping from my face and from my body. And I'm just sitting there with a smile on my face because I kind of had to smile to keep from crying. So, and, and I'm just like a, a type A person. I'm planning her. I'm like, you know, I had planned everything out. But of course, you don't plan for the air to go out on the first day. Like, and it, was, it wasn't a big deal, but I just thought that it, when I think back on that first day, it was just kind of funny. I'm sitting there fanning and kids are crying, parents are videotaping, and I'm just sitting there with like a permanent smile fixed to my face and listening to that advice about don't smile. But I, the whole thing behind that, the don't smile, was to kind of, um, to tie into the, the type of philosophy that you want in your classroom. Like, as an educator, I feel like I, um, even when it came to, um, like, a, a lot of different things, I felt like I tried to be firm, but fair. Like, I, and she, um, the teachers who said this, they said that because they wanted um, me to make sure that I kind of let the parents and the students know, like, where I stood. Like, I'm going to love on your baby like it's mine, but at the same time, you know, there are rules, there are procedures, there's consequences. So you need to be firm but fair. So I, I just think that's, that's funny. Yeah, I, I have rem- a question on that, though. I have a question on that real quick. Um, because I'm, I'm the new teacher coordinator of, at my campus, and uh, I work with the new teachers, and I meet with them quite a bit, and they told me that they received that same advice. Don't smile until December. So the yes, question that I ask... You know, the question I ask them is that if you're doing business with me and you walk into my place of business and I never offered you a smile, how likely would you be to return to to to, to do business with me again? And you're 
saying in the in the business we're in the business of building relationships with students. How can we, as educators? I mean, because again, I heard that advice my first year. Don't smile. You know, stay firm, stay firm. But then, why can't you be firm with a smile on your face? You know, it's just it's, it's almost like that is. My mom used to always say, "The smile is the light that lets people know that someone's home." Yes. So it's like that connection, but that, that seems like so. It's good to see that it's universal, but at the same time. As teachers, we have to get some better advice that, 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 right. that, that's more relevant to our generation because, again, our kids want to be seen. We, we, we know that. This is the social media-driven uh, culture we're, we're teaching in, and they're all about likes and how many people subscribe and how many followers they can get. So I just, I just, I just think we have to kind of uh, evolve from the don't smile until December because by that right. point, would you stay in a relationship with someone who never smiled at you? you know? That's exactly right. <laughs> and you it's know. funny you said that because I, um, like, even when I, like, my own child, even when I'm getting on to him, <laughs> and it's so funny, like, I'll, I'll get on to him, like, my teeth are clenched, but I have a huge smile on my face, and he's like, Mommy, why are you smiling? <laughs> like, <laughs> smiling so I don't go off on you, like that, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. right. I'm using this smile yeah. to protect you. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Those are those are great great points. So, all right. The uh, the next question we want to ask is just generally, what what do you see as the the state of education in our country today? I, because you know, there's so much going on, and there's so many negative things out there. But in the work you do with you know your your apparel brand and your t-shirt brand plus the conference, what do you see as the state of education right now? Um, I really feel like it's kind of what you make it. Um, there are so many negative things that we can point to that we can say that are not going right. I know we have teachers from um, several different states who are on uh, the front line. They're trying to get uh, increased teacher pay. They're trying to get increased teacher benefits, um, just a, a better life for teachers because our states are not equitable when it comes to um, basically how they take care of their teachers. Um, so the state of education is going to look different in everybody's eyes. I feel like um, we kind of have a lot of work that needs to be done. And uh, those teachers who are on the forefront, you know, in the trenches, like our goal as the Right Step Kicks and, and Teacher Heart Out is to be there to support them, to help them, you know, understand that, you know, we have your backs. We understand your struggle because um, because both of my mother and I were in education, and so the Right Step Chicks was kind of fund, uh, founded just um, on that philosophy. Like education has pretty much been our lives. Um, you know, both of my parents were in education, so I grew up in schools. Um, and I said I was not going to be a teacher. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew <laughs> that I was not going to be a teacher. No, nope, not doing it. So went to college, changed my major a couple times. What did I end up with? An uh, education degree. <laughs> so <laughs> the state of education has evolved so much. Um, I think of even, you know, when I was in school to when I first graduated and I had my first class, a lot has happened in the last 13 years. Um, and it, it, sometimes it's scary um, because I feel like now that um, some schools and states and districts have tried to take the fun out of learning um but like I tell my teachers like 
they're like, oh, it's not in the standards, it's not in the standards. And I told them, you can find a way to tie anything into the standards. Um, and so keeping that in mind, you have to make learning fun. Um, yes, you know, kindergarten is not what it used to be. Like the kids, they don't take naps anymore. Centers are, are, have kind of been phased away. Um, but at the same time, the, you have a responsibility to these kids to make them want to come back to school every day, to make them want to learn, um, because sometimes that you're, you're all that these kids are getting. Like they go home, their latchkey kids or their older brothers or sisters are taking care of them. And so um, I think the constant that has remained in education is that we're all in this together. Um, we have to work together as a team, you know, teachers on your team, the teachers and the administrators, the teachers and the parents and the students, like we all have to work together to ensure that each child is getting the best educational um, experience that they can get on, you know, based on the circumstances. Um, so, like I said, sometimes it is scary um, just with the changes that are coming from the government in regards to education. Um, but there's so many caveats that like weren't there like 10 years ago. Um, that we have to worry about today, like as far as safety and um, standardized testing and things like that. So it does kind of make an educator's job a little bit harder. But again, that open line of communication, the teamwork with um, with all stakeholders. Um, I've seen at work, at, you know, some schools are really flourishing and some states are really flourishing um, when it comes to um, their teacher education and how they treat their teachers and, and how... Um, the teachers are instructing the kids. So I know that it's something that's possible um, to improve upon daily, um, but at the same time, we kind of have to work together and fight for what's right. Mm-hmm. That's... And that's, you know, that's really good. And, and he, Wilkie and I have been talking and, and we've, we've said if with the work we do, because we have, you know, our, our nonprofits called Lighthouse Educator Development, and we really want to focus on, you know, two fronts, really new teachers and helping them succeed early and stay in the profession and also helping teachers build relationships. And if we, we sum it up, if we could just help everybody understand that they're, you know, we're all on the same team. And not just yep. say it as a slogan, but really believe it and understand yep. that just because we're on the same team doesn't mean we're always going to agree and it's not always going to be sunshine right. and rainbows, but you know, we all want the same thing. So I think that's a super important just message that needs to go out to, to teachers for sure. I totally agree. And you said something when you said we have to make learning fun. Uh, I, I was a math teacher. And I've only taught uh, the fifth and sixth grade level. Um, but coming into it, I wasn't an education major. I was one of the ones who came in, you know, through an alternative certification program. So a lot of the terminology and, and pedagogy, I did not have. The only thing I knew is that I was a sociologist, and I knew how to make people laugh. So when I got my own classroom, my idea was, okay, if I can come in here and I can entertain you for an hour and a half, for 90 minutes, I can entertain you and make you want to come back tomorrow. Through the process of that, I can teach you something. Exactly. And, you know, I think back to, you know, you talked about being in, you know, being in school in the 80s, and, you know, so was I. So I think about, you know, Karis One, you know, who came up with the slogan, Edutainment. Because his, his rap was not just for entertainment, it was to educate and uplift people. And I, I kind of adopted that in my classroom. And, and it was funny because Kyle and I were on the teaching team once, 
And usually last class is the class that kids can't wait to get out of and can't wait right. to me and, and dread going into. But it was the opposite. My kids, I used to have to force them out of the door. Guys, the bell is wrong. It's time to go. Get up and leave. It's time to leave. Right. You know, but, and I don't think it's because I'm such a great teacher. I think it's because I created an environment where kids knew, number one, it was safe. And number two, we were going to have a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And I think you're so right when, 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 you, when you take that fun out of learning, it becomes too mechanical. Yeah. And when you look at education, we kind of try to make it into this well world machine that's, that's pushing out college kids that are college and career ready when that's not, that's not the reality. You know, that, that's not the reality. We, right. We have to focus on how can I make this kid better today than he was yesterday? And I'm not talking about academics. Right. You know, right. beyond and academics. You know, you, exactly. You keep talking about um, building relationships. And that, I guess, that's what's my one takeaway from um, being in the classroom. Like, my um, my assistant principal, she, I don't, I don't, and I don't know why to this day, she always commented on it um, in my observations and conversations with other staff members and, and parents. She would always comment, you know, Tasha, she knows her kids. And, like, when I say know my kids, I can tell you, you know, their mom and dad's first name. I can tell you, I could probably tell you when their birthday was, the kid's birthday. Um, I could tell you the neighborhood they lived in, um, you know, their family members. I just, to me, it was important for me to understand where the kids came from before I tried to reach them on an academic level. Um, and I'm really big on building relationships, um, not only with students, but with my peers, my colleagues, because I think in order to work together, we have to have some type of relationship. You, you don't have to like me, but um, we have to have some type of working relationship where you know, we're cordial to one another, where we kind of understand each other on um, not just a work level, but a personal level. Um, before we can kind of get into the nitty gritty. And I feel like that's the same way with kids and with their families. Um, a lot of parents um, have their guards up because they feel like, um, you know, maybe if the kid isn't doing well, the teacher is judging. But I, I kind of worked hard to break those guards down so we could get to the root of, you know, okay, I have a struggling student or I have a student that's maybe on the spectrum but hasn't been identified yet. Um, and there's a lot of stigma attached to that. And I remember my last year in the classroom um, in Virginia, I had a student sweet as could be, um, just very spacey. And, and his parents, you know, first time at them, they said, yeah, you know, here's a uh, little Sammy. Um, he basically lived on another planet. And so we laughed about it. Wow. But I worked okay. hard. Yeah, I worked hard that year. Um, to, you know, I worked him through the SST process. I worked him, um, you know, did interventions at the time on task. Um, and he eventually qualified for um, uh, Asperger's. Um, mm. But his parents, I don't know if they thought it was normal. Like, you know, that had been their whole life with him. The first six years um, it had been, you know, him living on another planet. But, um, you know, talking with them, getting to know the child, it just kind of made me you know, fight for him to say, okay, it's, these are the things that he's exhibiting. Um, this is what it's like, you know, when I do a time on task. Um, and, you know, what can we do for this child? Because um, I wanted to be able to reach him in the best way possible academically um, to make sure that he, you know, met the standards and excelled in 
whatever direction that he was going in. So I think that's important, building relationships. And I feel like some, some teachers um, are so, again, they're worried about test scores and who has the highest. And, you know, they think their job is dependent on that. And they don't know their students. Like, they don't know, you know, what's going on in their home life that contribute to them falling asleep in class or acting out with a friend. Like, you don't, if you don't know what happened, you know, the night before or even, you know, what's going on um, in their home over the course of a weekend, you know, maybe dad just got out of jail and this is why he's coming in and just being rebellious. Um, so I think once you get to know the kids, and I'm not saying you have to know every single detail about their life, but all of those things are um, lead back to the way kids behave in school. And so once you build those relationships with students, it, it opens up a world of, of different type of learning. Um, they, I feel like kids are more receptive to you and, you know, you go to their baseball games and you go, you know, support them at their violin concert. Um, and not saying that you have to do that to be a good teacher, but I think that helps foster those relationships. But, and, and, and the reality of it is, is that if we can teach any skill set that is universal, that, that transcends whatever profession you're going into, that transcends whatever level of education you go in that's going to carry you throughout your life. The one skill set that needs to be taught is how to, how to build, maintain, and to leverage those relationships that you're in. And that's the one thing that we're not spending time on. You know, we see a lot of things that take place in education based on a, a, a bad read on a relationship or the the um, the misguided a misguided relationship or just no relationship whatsoever. And I think we have to almost get back to that. But that's like the basic. You know, I love Dr. Rita Pearson uh, in her TED talk. She says, "Kids don't kids don't learn from teachers they don't like." Right. And that's the reality, you know. So you're trying to make sure I'm gonna get make sure they learn it, but you're not taking time to learn them. Nope. Oh my goodness. Yes. 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 And you can, and you know, going back to that, like you can pull out every trick in the book for those kids, but if they feel like you don't like them, then they're oh, not yeah. gonna perform for you. Or if they if they feel like you don't respect them, guess what? They're not gonna respect you. Um, I see that a lot. I work in a uh, inner city school, and so our population is kind of mixed. Um, our kid population is kind of mixed, and then our teacher population is. Uh, not diverse at all and so um i have found my husband and i talk about this too because he um was a teacher education professor and he was preparing you know these teachers to come out into the workforce um but if you have a student talk or you don't have experience in an urban school it can literally break you down um you know the kids can be you know quote unquote disrespectful um things like that but i feel like there needs to be some type of training on um kind of how to work with kids in an inner city um but again i think that's the most important type of school that you need to build a relationship with first like those kids who are um you know maybe come from broken homes or who don't have both parents at home like you you got to do a little bit more coaxing than you would do at like an influence school. So I think, you know, there's a lot of research and um, articles and things like there uh, out there about um, uh, teaching and poverty and things like that. And I feel like 
those tribute requirements in order to teach in an urban school because um, a lot of urban schools have a high turnover rate because the teachers they're fresh out of college thinking they're going to come in and save the world uh, by teaching in an inner city school and they are in for a rude awakening because they're not prepared but again start with the relationship start with understanding kid and and trying to get them to understand you so I mean, because if you think about it, they're with you five days a week, eight hours a day, like, some type of relationship has to be formed there, or there's no connect. There's going to be a huge disconnect, and then what good is that whole entire school year going to do for the kid? Right. I can, yeah, I, I can attest to that. I mean, and, and Wilkie saw this firsthand. I, I grew up in small, small town, Wisconsin, like 2,200 people in my town. And when I got done with college in Minnesota, there weren't jobs. And I got recruited to teach in inner city Houston. And okay. I got I got down there and it was a world that I that I legitimately didn't know existed. Like I didn't know there were people right. in the United States that lived that way. And it was just so hard right. for me to to just get, you know, the word Wilkie always uses to just get a context of what these kids were going through and I started working with Wilkie my fifth year and he could still see that there were still rough edges in that relationship and that understanding. And that, that was probably the biggest blessing I ever got was to work with him, to have someone who really taught me, um, how to, how to build a relationship and really understand kids at that level. And, uh, it, it really made a significant difference. And now I'm back in Wisconsin, but I teach in an alternative setting where I have 25 at risk kids who are, you know, small town Wisconsin, but they're still going through some of those same things where there's no stability at home and parents are drug addicts and kicking them out of the house every. So, you know, it's it's taken me half a year with these new kids to just build, you know, of really working hard to build the relationship to now that I can really start to teach them things. And it's the experience I had in Houston absolutely prepared me to to teach at risk kids up here because they go through the same things my kids down there went through. Right. Well, I think kids all over right now, it's a, it's a fine line between the urban, the inner city, and the rural because of social media. So right. you'll have kids who've never been exposed to the urban environment or to the rural environment, but they're running around calling each other the N-word just because they hear it in music, just because they hear it right. in, 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 in the shows that they watch. So, that, that sense of the lines have gotten blurred between the wall, the urban, and the inner city, that, I mean, they're, they're pretty much, dis they're gone. They're disappeared because of social media and the wide-scale media that's, you know, that's portraying it out there. So it's almost like you all, everyone should be aware of how to operate within those cultures. Because if not, again, you're going to have a long and, 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 and rough year <laughs> trying yeah. to get kids to do things that that they don't want to do and they don't see the value in doing it anyway. Right. You yes. know, I, tell them, I used to tell my kids all the time, if you don't do it for anything, do it, do it on the strength of our relationship. Right. And you'll find kids who will work harder for the fact that I don't want to let you down as a teacher exactly. more than, oh, this has value for me later on. Exactly. You know, once they graduate, they'll get it. <laughs> yeah. But right. in those early years, they don't see it. You know, they don't see it. You know, I've, I've been attending graduations for the last three years of kids that I've taught. 
And all of them say, Mr. Law, you're the reason that I did this. Thank you so much for staying on me. Thank you for teaching me this. I'm like, but I didn't, the math I taught you was fifth grade, sixth grade math. Oh, it's not the math. You taught me how to be a better person. Life lessons, oh. exactly. Exactly. Right. That, and that's, that's your bread but especially with kids that are in that urban area because, again, you don't know what they're exposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these kids have problems that even me growing up in the inner city, I've never experienced. You know, so it's like, if you're blowing my mind, I can only imagine this first-year, 23-year-old teacher, fresh out of college, who right. never left the Midwest, and now you're in Houston, or you're in Atlanta, or you're, you know, you're somewhere, and you're looking at these kids like, oh, my God, this right. one's in the textbook. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. not at all. This, this policy, that word, was not written in the textbook, so I don't know how to deal with that. Right. All right. Well, let's let's. Uh, that was a good talk, but let's let's make sure we we keep going, and otherwise we'll be on here all night. So, um, so Tasha, do you want to uh, start out just talking a little bit about you mentioned a little bit the right stuff, chicks, how that formed and how that's kind of grown, and then how that grew into the uh, the teacher hard out conference. Sure. So the right stuff, chicks, um, kind of evolved in, in a, I guess a funny way. Um, so. Um, my mom um, used to have like an embroidery business. She embroidered lunchboxes, bags, shirts, things like that. Um, in September of 2015, uh, my sister started a Christian apparel line. So she um, does t-shirts with um, Bible verses or references to Bible verses. Um, it's kind of like, you know, rock your um, your beliefs on, on a t-shirt that's kind of her theme um is her ministry which was um came out of her diagnosis for um in may um of 2015 she was diagnosed with stage four uh breast cancer and so um she um you know just kind of was listening to god and trying to understand what you know his plans were for her life and God really gave her, it's called Fight Apparel, um, and so she has been blessed tremendously by Fight Apparel, she's blessed so many um, people um, through Fight Apparel, and so um, I will never forget, it was probably November, um, late November, my mom, my sister, and myself, we were on three-way um, on the phone, and um, my mom was like, you know, Tasha, let's start, um, uh, t-shirt business for teachers and so my sister she had done the you know she had taken care of the the, um, the church um, Christian life apparel and so my mom was like you know told you and our educators let's let's see what t-shirts will do for teachers you know with positive sayings um, and just kind of an inspiration where a lot of schools they can dress down on Fridays and so um, they're market for teachers is huge and so we were like okay this you know this might be good and so we were like well what should we name it and um prior to my mom doing like embroidery i um was doing like vinyl decals uh, for teachers i did clipboards like with apples cut out in vinyl and um you know their names or their initials on them so i was doing decals um, and it was called um, the Right Vinyl Creations. And I also did chalkboards for, like, birthday parties, um, like chalkboard signs. 
Um, and so we kind of merged the two, the t-shirts and things that my mom was embroidering and my vinyl creations. Um, that's kind of how uh, the right subjects was um, evolved or created in uh, 2015. And when I say it has grown tremendously, it really has. Uh, you know, we're going into our third year of operation, um, and we are doing uh, amazingly well. Um, and we have, um, you know, been blessed by so many teachers from literally across the world. We have customers um, from Nigeria, from Spain, um, from Canada, um, from, you know, all the states in the U.S., um, and so, from the rights of chicks, um, we said, okay, well, let's do a conference. So, we did a conference um, with um, Ron Clark in Atlanta, um, and that was in February of 
teachers are not, you know, we just want to inspire teachers to let them know again, they're not in this alone. We're all in the trenches. We're fighting for each other, and we want to, you know, inspire them. Um, the funny thing is, like, they come to get inspired, but when I see how many teachers come and I see their faces and I see, you know, what they're pouring into, um, you know, taking notes and taking pictures and trying to understand, you know, what the speakers are saying. Like, I'm inspired by them. They make me want to do better. Um, So that's kind of how Teacher Heart Out was formed. And then going back to the Right Step Chicks, um, uh, it's uh, it's truly a family business. Um, You know, my mom and I, we're... um, we have a team of, of chicks who really do, you know, the hard work for for us, for, you know, from our fulfillment manager to our office manager to um, my grandma and my sister, they fold shirts, um, my aunts, they, you know, it, it all hands on deck when it comes to the right stuff chicks. Um, and so we, um, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. You talk about that teamwork. Um, and, you know, nobody is looking for a handout or, you know, to say, um, you know, uh, well, you know, what can, um, you know, what can the right stuff chicks do for me? Like, it, we just, we just, you know, want to inspire um, teachers through our apparel to say, okay, um, you know, read your heart out or, you know, when the sunshine, you know, when things are cloudy, look for the sunshine, Um and things like that so um and you know it started we were designing our own shirts and now we have um other like teacher authors or teacher designers you know they design shirts for us our graphic artist um you know we come up with ideas that we want on the shirts and she kind of puts it to life um and so when i say it's it's a team effort it really is a team effort yeah that's that's amazing and and i just like I'm, I'm honestly surprised to hear that you started the Right Stuff Chicks in 2015, and the, and the conference is not even two years old. Cause it, when it, when I first started seeing it on Instagram, I'm like, oh man, this must be 10 years old that there's this many people there and this many people excited, and so many of the teachers I follow and we follow on Instagram. Like, when you were in Nashville, there was just like, it seemed like my whole Instagram feed was people um at the com at the conference in nashville so i was just like i'm blown away by the by the fact that you've grown that quickly but but like you said that you know the teacher community is is so strong and and kind of back to what you said about the state of education i think it's so easy to lose touch of how strong that community is and and how much power there is and and how much we we can do to to make things right in the world i think that's it's it's inspiring me just having talked to you and not even have having been there right right and i think too um social media you you mentioned social media that has played a huge part in not only the success of the right step chicks as well as teach your heart out um you know the the speakers that we have they are like very popular when it comes to social media teachers pay teachers um you know they are the hot things in uh, the teacher kind of social media world right now so we really you know appreciate and rely on them um um, because they, you know, help bring people to the conference. And as well as, like, the Right Step Chicks, like, we've grown tremendously in just, you know, the almost three or two and a half years. And that's, um, you know, in part to our social media manager. She um, is 
all capital letters amazing um she has really grown her brand she you know understands like what um the right subject means to us and what we want it to look like um when it comes across on social media she yeah i can't say enough um great things about her but she has really um you know grown our our, our brand nice awesome that's awesome and i'm sitting here looking at the website now and i'm like I mean, it's amazing. I mean, um, and especially now to hear the history behind it, because a lot of times, you know, you see people see the finished product and don't realize what all goes right. behind it. And, uh, you know, Kyle and I, you know, uh, you, you guys are so fitted into what our mission is, because our sole mission is to inspire teachers. Uh, that is it, because we're some of the, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thankless, selfless act mm-hmm. that we do every single yeah. day. And I think that there's not enough, you know, I'm doing my dissertation, I'm doing writing, I'm doing a doctoral program, and my dissertation is on teacher-student relationships. And it's amazing that when I type in that search, teacher-student relationships, there's so much negativity that comes out in the beginning. Right. And I think that people forget that, number one, teachers are human beings. Um, and number two, that teachers need that that regular, like you say, that PD, when you, I love that we say PD is like therapy. You know, you get an opportunity to to, to collaborate with people from, from different places. I know when Kyle and I go to conferences, that's one of the things that we thrive off of, just being able to sit down and have engage in a conversation about education with someone that has no tie-in to where you are, as a, you know, where you know where you're teaching, but you see that there's a familiarity between everything that you're being just discussed. Right. So, um, man, I salute you guys and what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm actually going to have to get on here. I see you have some stuff from men, the, the King shirts. I'm going to get me some right stuff, chick shirts, and, and promote you guys. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, because this is – like I said, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for, for what you guys have going. And, and it's, like I say, for such a short time frame, I mean, my hat goes off to you guys. That That is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, you know, to your point with social media, too, I, I think so many of the teachers are going on there to, to get that, you know, that day-to-day and week-to-week support and, you know, be inspired and listen to, um, you know, what other teachers are saying. And that's, that's really what we want this podcast to be is just, you know, a podcast where teachers can go and they can listen once or twice a week and have that moment where we bring people on and they can hear stories and get inspired and, and pick up a few things, but... You know, like I said, the the best thing that ever happened to me in education was when I got moved to, a, you know, I, I had kind of an unceremonious end at the first school I went to. I just didn't get along with the principal, but uh, it pushed me to the school where Wilkie was. And that, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me as a teacher and real frankly as a person, because that, you know, going on six year relationship now is has fulfilled me so much as as a as a teacher and a person that uh, we're really trying to to just share that and help teachers build those kind of relationships with other teachers and with kids. Right. So, Will, anything you want to ask as we close up here? Um, just um, we talked before before we came online about the upcoming conferences. You want to kind of share that with our audience so they can know where the, where you guys are taking the conference next. Sure. So um, in June, we will be right outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, in Henderson um, at the um, Greenbound Resort. And that will be June um, 
29th and 30th um, in uh, Vegas. Um, and then in Miami, or I'm sorry, in October, we'll be in Miami, October 11th and 12th. We will be in Miami, um, and Aventura is, again, right outside of Miami um, for Teach Your Heart Out Miami. Um, and so for each um, kind of um, uh, location that we have, we're kind of, you know, we'll do some kind of special thing. In Nashville, we had a, um, a pajama party. Uh, with Go Noodle, and so in Vegas, we're going to have, like, a night on the town, you know, paint the town red night, um, and then in Miami, we're having an 80s night. Um, oh, so man. Then, um, I want to go to Miami just for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, again, so June 29th and 30th, we'll be in Vegas, and then October, I think I said 11th and 12th, but it's actually October 12th, and 13th, we will be in Miami. Um, but they can go on to www.teachyourheartoutcon.com to find out more information. And we're going to be announcing our 2019 location uh, very, very soon. Um, so uh, keep your ears out for that as well. Awesome. And is there any anything else we can do, promote, or, or kind of say uh, for you before we let you go? Um, I did want to mention one thing, too. Um, like the, the heart of the Right Step Chicks is kind of giving back, um, giving back to teachers, um, you know, educators. And so one really big project that we are trying to, we started, uh, we did it last year, but this year we're trying to make it, um, like, a thousand times better. Um, I mentioned earlier about my sister, um, having stage four, um, uh, breast cancer. Um, we started at the Rice Up Chicks, we started Pink Santa Hat Movement. And so last year during Christmas, we asked for nominations for teachers who were fighting breast cancer, no matter the stage. Um, we asked for nominations and we sent them kind of care packages with robes and uh, slippers and uh, kind of pampering items. And so this year, we're trying to raise money to um, bring um, five women who were nominated, bring them to Atlanta um, for a weekend of, you know, pampering, relaxation. Um, they can get either a massage or a facial for shopping and a photo shoot. Um, just to kind of, um, being a teacher is hard wow. for And then teachers who are fighting cancer, like, I cannot even imagine. And some of them have to continue working, uh, A, for the insurance, and B, because they have bills to pay, um, you know, due to treatments and things like that. And so we understand the struggle um, when it comes to having breast cancer. Um, so we just want to honor them and, and kind of um, inspire them to, you know, keep fighting the good fight. Um, because, again, breast cancer is something that is, like, very near and dear to our hearts. So we want to make, um, you know, Christmas time a happy time for them. And so we're trying to raise money um, uh, for the Pink Santa Hat uh, movement and so we can honor those women in December. So that's the big thing that we're pushing um, as far as fundraising goes. Um, well, I'll say, I will help promote that with you. I will, I will help promote that with you because I'm just okay. here and dear my sister. My sister right now has um, she's in her third year of remission. Um, okay. She's a, she's an educator. She just she's an assistant principal now. And okay. um, it, it it's 
near and dear, you know, we lost our mom to breast cancer uh, over 25 years ago. Um, before the detection was, you know, before they started saying how prevalent it was, it was still in the early stages. And right. So um, I will definitely do what I can to promote this and uh, help you okay. raise funds for that because that is such a, a great cause. And again, one of the teachers that's near and dear to at my campus uh, a couple of years ago, we did something similar to her for her. But we actually barbecued and cooked big cookouts and sold dinners because she still had to keep working, you know, while right. going through everything. And she had a, an infant child at home. So, yeah. you know, oh it's like, and she still kept doing what she's doing, you know, and that, right. I think people just, like I said, we, they forget that teachers right. are humans. We, 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 right. we, face, we face some of the same challenges and don't complain and just keep pushing through it. So that's amazing. It's a great, a great movement. Do I get to get a pink center hat? Can I get a pink center hat? Sure. <laughs> I would rock my pink center hat with my pink bow tie. I would do it. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. would do it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we, we super appreciate your time, but we, we do have one more question uh, that we like to end with. So, what what do you want your when it's all said and done with the right stuff chicks with teach your heart out? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want our legacy to be um, like when people think of the right stuff chicks, and we want them to understand that we um, you know truly supported the education community um, in not only fashionable ways but personal ways. Um, you know, we are really about giving back um, when it comes to educators, that self-care piece that's very important. So we want our legacy um, to be one that is, um, you know, really at the heart of education. Like, we all have a heart for education at the right subjects, and we want that to, to go down as our legacy, um, that education is our heart. So teach your heart out, you know, came out of the right stuff dick. So we want teachers to be able to, no matter what they're going through um, in their personal lives, at school, um, you still were hired to teach your heart out. Perfect. That's, that's awesome. Well, thank awesome. you. Thank you again so, so much for your time and, and for all you're doing. And, and please, in the future, don't hesitate to email or call or text us and, and let us know what whatever we can do to help because we're on board with what you got going on. Okay, awesome. This was so nice talking to you guys. Okay. Thank awesome. you. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, this is Kyle Krieger for checking out episode 40 of the LED Project podcast uh, with Tasha Wright. We really hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did recording it. To, to support our podcast, you can check us out. Uh, follow us on Instagram. We are at value adds value. You can send us an email at podcast at the ledproject.com. If there's teachers you want to uh, get, get in touch with us, if you want to be on the podcast or questions you'd like us to answer. Um, otherwise, we appreciate it. Hope we're inspiring you. Check us out and talk to you again soon.